and an attitude of thanksgiving. Yes, Lord. Pray, Father, that if that is not our attitude, that you would humble us, Lord. Father, that you would remind us that everything good comes from you. And your word says that you work out all things for the good. For those who love you and are called according to your purpose. Yes, Lord. And God, we are the called. So I pray, God, that we would move each and every day with your purpose. God, that we would forsake all else. And that we would take that scripture to heart. Father, that we are to die. To die to ourselves. Because to die is gain. Yes, God. And that we would live a life that would honor you. Regardless of anything else in this world. That you have called us to walk a path of humbleness. To be a person of peace, Father. Yes. To stand for truth. Yes. God, in a dark and a twisted generation. Yes, Father. So, God, I thank you for this fellowship. I thank you, Father, that you have seen us through much and that you are going to continue, Father. I thank you, Father, for the hard times, God, and for the good times. Father, that we would learn from both, God. And I pray, God, that we would not take for granted what you've given us here, and God, I pray as fellowships meet all across this nation today, God, that your spirit would fall, that conviction would come, that chains would be broken in the name of Jesus, Father, and that people would rise up and say no more. I no longer want to live bound to this world, bound to my flesh, or as a victim of the enemy, but that we would stand up and stand forth and be counted, be counted among the righteous because we are made worthy because of the sacrifice of your son. Yes, Father. In your name I pray. Amen. Amen. Let us worship our King. Amen.
kingdom, Lord. Father, help us to keep our eyes focused and fixed upon you, God. Father, if there's any among us today or would be listening at a later time, God, that, Father, they do not have the hope in Christ. Oh, how I pray that today would be the day of salvation. That they would call upon the name of the Lord Jesus and be saved, set free, and grafted into your kingdom, Lord. Father, that they would, Lord Jesus, be adopted into your family and given the right to call you Abba, Daddy. Oh, Father, this created world, nothing in it will ever satisfy us. We are truly content and satisfied when we are only in Christ. And I love it, Father, that your word encourages those who are in Christ, that that is our position that we are in Christ, that we are seated with Christ, that we have the mind of Christ. And Father, we thank you for the Holy Spirit, for those who are in Christ, who have received the Holy Spirit, God in us, living through us to accomplish, God, the good works that you've designed for us, even before you placed us in our mother's womb. You purposed us for such a time as this. So God, may we remain humbled before you. God, not pointing to us, but pointing to you. That you would receive all the glory and the honor. And we thank you, Jesus. And it's in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Good morning. Good morning. Application. Sustained effort. Hard work. Again, 
This is the theme for our year. I want to challenge myself. I want to challenge you all. I want to, I want to encourage you to keep pursuing Christ. If you're in Christ, continue to allow the fan to be flamed. Burn brighter than you did yesterday or an hour ago. If you're not in Christ, come to Christ. Receive Him. Why would you want to remain apart from Him? Why would you want to remain an enemy of His kingdom, of His throne? When God is pleased to reveal Himself to us through His Son, Jesus. And our salvation is only through Christ. Christ accomplished everything for us. And if you are saved, you've been born again of this new nature. The Bible is continually reminding us that we are a new creation, a new creature. We are transformed people. Still behind enemy lines, still encased in this shell. And the flesh of that old nature is still trying to rear its ugly head. But we must remind it, it has been crucified with Christ. It is, it is no longer living, but it's Christ living in and through us. And listen, that's sustained effort. That has to be daily. That has to be moment by moment. That has to be when the Word tells us to take thoughts captive. Because the Word encourages us and, and it reminds us how does He transform us by changing the way we think. And that's an ongoing process. We're not going to be perfected on this side of heaven, but we ought to be maturing and for anything to grow, there has to be some application. It's sustained effort. It's hard work. He didn't come to make it easy for us. In fact, remember Jesus' prayer to God, the Father, while he was in the garden, knowing the cross was set before him. He asked the Father, don't take them out of the world. One thing he asked the Father to do for us is to protect us by the name that he was given, Jesus. All authority and power has been given to Jesus. If you are in Jesus, if you are in Christ, that is your new position. You've been born again. You've humbled yourself. You've repented. You've turned from your sins. You're, you're living a life now where you're learning how to throw off the sin that so easily entangles you. You're learning how to run the race. You're allowing perseverance to equip you. You know, endurance and perseverance must finish its work, the Bible says, so that you will be equipped, matured, not lacking anything. See, we can't keep doing church the way we've done church. <laughs> no, we've got to be the people of God. <laughs> We, we've got to begin to really understand who we're saying we believe in. And that He is our foundation now. That we truly grasp this, this understanding that God, you are God and God alone. And yet, Father, my nature in and of myself would rebel against you. We will stiff arm you. We want to be God. We want what we want. We want our rights. We, in fact, we demand them. But when we see him for who he is, we 
are humbled. He's holy, holy, holy. But he cleanses us. If we truly repent, if we truly recognize him for who he is, he cleanses us. We're cleansed. We're whole. We're, we're no longer broken. And you say, but I remember, but, but that's the problem. <laughs> You're still remembering what's here. You're still discussing what's there. You ought to start remembering what he's done. <laughs> and you ought to start understanding where you're going. And all of that, that which is behind you, it's dead. It's gone. And when it wants to rear its ugly head, when it wants to provoke, when it wants to entice, when it wants to be in charge, you're reminded, no. (laughs) And that's sustained effort. That's every day. It's hard work. Because that old nature craves everything that this world has. And this realm up here, which you cannot see, but the Bible tells you that is what you're warring against. Oh, you better get up daily, Christian. If you are a Christian, if you are a child of God, you better get up daily and you better dress for battle. But the good news is (laughs) the battle belongs to him. I love it when the lady encourages us in that time of worship. If he calls us to it, he's going to see us through it. If he calls us to face the giant, to face our enemies, he's going to give us what we need. I love the the story of King Jehoshaphat. The kingdom was surrounded by all of their enemies. And God sent a man of God to King Jehoshaphat. And he said, King Jehoshaphat, you and your people, get up tomorrow and go face your enemies. And do you know what they did the next day? They got up. They first humbled themselves, humbled themselves before God. They got up and they began to march towards their enemies. And do you know who was at the front line? It wasn't the army. It wasn't the warriors. It was the worshipers. He was. God instructed him, put your worshipers before your army. Now can you think about that? In the natural mind, that doesn't make sense. In the natural mind, you would want those who are armed to be before you. But God doesn't do what naturally makes sense to our natural mind. No, he is a supernatural God. His realm is unlike anything that we can even possibly conceive or perceive. God sent forth his worshipers. And then not only did God instruct them to put the worshipers up front, he instructed them what they should have in their mouths. And you know what they were given to say? Give thanks to the Lord, for He is good, for His love endures forever. Just say that. Give thanks to the Lord, for He is good, for His love endures forever. Give thanks to the Lord, for He is good, for His love endures forever. And you know what happened? 
the enemies turned against each other and they destroyed each other. And Jehoshaphat and his people were able to take over their plunder. Everything they left behind, they received. Boy, that doesn't give you some hope for this upcoming week. That instead of cowering down to your insecurities, to the things in which have come to try you in your life, instead of just cowering down or reacting in your flesh, that you would take the position which you've been given in Christ if you are a Christian and with sustained effort and hard work apply truth. And I've always encouraged people, if that is all you know to say, give thanks to the Lord for He is good, for His love endures forever. That'll get you through. That'll get you through. We've got to wake up, people. We gotta wake up. So to apply, you have to give your full attention to a task. And your full attention is to the leading of the Holy Spirit, and your eyes are fixed upon Christ. That's why the Bible says, walk habitually in the Spirit, so you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. This is his kingdom, you all. If you are in Christ, you have been transitioned into his kingdom. You're to be a kingdom-minded person. You're not to be wishy-washy. One foot in, one foot out. There's, no, there's nothing like that. It is kingdom living. Nothing less. That's what we're called to. Kingdom living. So, Applying the Bible is the duty of all Christians, not just some Christians, but all Christians. Because if we don't apply it, the Bible becomes nothing more to us than a normal book, an impractical collection of old manuscripts. That's why Paul says, whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put into practice and the God of peace will be with you. When we apply the Bible, God himself will be with us. And I love this, and you've heard this multiple times now this year. The degree to which we study, memorize, and meditate on God's words is the degree to which we understand how it applies to our lives. But understanding how the word applies is not enough. <clears throat> we must actually apply it. Application implies action. And obedient action is the final step in causing God's word to come to life in our lives. Remember, the word of God is living and active. It's the living word of God. That's why you can read it and you can read it again and say, well, I didn't see that last time. You can read it another time and I, it's something fresh. It's something new. It's the living word of God. And it ought to be bringing forth obedience to our lives. The application of Scripture enforces and further enlightens our study, and it also serves to sharpen our discernment. Our favorite line, again, you should be able to quote this, helping us to better distinguish between good and evil. So how would you do this week? How would you do going about your week, being able to distinguish between good and evil? What have you given yourself over to this week? What you're giving yourself over to is what's mastering you. And so this is the reality. 
And so if you've given yourself over to evil, and you say, well, I didn't give myself over to evil, evil, but have you acted in the flesh? Because that's giving you over, that's giving yourself over to evil. Nothing good comes from the flesh, only death and destruction. And you say, well, you're taking it too seriously and too literally. Well, how else would you want to take it? Because the Bible is very clear. The Bible is very clear. That's why it's just not a one-time little prayer. It's not just a one-time little service, like, poof, I'm a Christian. It's in everyday life. Your life is to be lived in obedience. And that's Jesus' words. I mean, hear what Jesus says. If you put your hand to the plow and you look back, you're not fit for my kingdom. Those are Jesus' words. And you may say, well, those are really harsh words, Jesus. The expectation is too, is too high, Jesus. But oh, be careful. Lest you forget you've been given the Holy Spirit. And you're not to be living a life that grieves the Holy Spirit. You're to be living a life in step with the Spirit. The Spirit of God in you. Living through you. You can't, but He can. That's why you get out of the way. That's why you are able to to determine and distinguish and to perceive that which is good and evil. And when you see the evil, you don't give in to it. You don't tiptoe and see what you can get away with. No, you go, God, no. Your word says, hold up his word. Look how the people of God related to God. Moses was always reminding God of who God was. What God said. If you don't know who God is, and you don't know what he said, what are you going to do? You have no knowledge then. But as you're growing, as you're maturing as a Christian, you can begin to uphold his truth. You can begin that when things start coming at you, or things start running amok in you, that you can say, no, wait a minute. I have a choice to make here. And it's hard. Because your flesh wants what it wants. But we must stop feeding it. We must start saying no. No. I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. I believe that He rose from the dead. And on that belief and that confession alone is the sure foundation on which I stand. He's the one who says that I have been born again of a new nature. Yet no, He knows this fallen nature is still at work within me. But God so loved me enough that he revealed himself to me through his son Jesus that I might be saved. And given the power, the same power that raised him up from the dead, that I may live afresh and anew. I don't have to give in to lust. I don't have to give in to anger. I don't have to give in to jealousy. I don't have to give in to this and to that and to this and to that and to this and that. And I don't have to continue to bow down and worship that which is created any longer. I know my God. And he is for me and not against me. You see, my favorite phrase, I don't know how you're talking to yourself. I don't know how you're applying this. I don't know what you're doing. I can only hope and pray for you all that you're doing it. And that you're beginning to see. You're not, you're not trying, striving to meet man's expectations. No, but that you're beginning to see like, Wow. God, this is real. You're real. This is about your kingdom. This is about seeing your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. 
This is about understanding that I've been called, I've been engrafted in to your kingdom. And I'm here for a purpose. I'm here for a reason. As long as there's breath within my body. My God, I watched this pastor last night. I said, Lord Jesus. He stood up. And he began to say, a year ago, this is back in December of 2022, he stood up and he says, a year ago I stood on this platform, shared the word, I held on to my, my wife's hand, And he said, and the majority of you didn't know that I was just diagnosed two days before with brain cancer. I was given no hope to live. Put my affairs into order. And he began to talk about how his mental struggle came on how he would begin to equip his wife and his 13-year-old son. What would this news do to his son's faith what are they going to have to endure watching him go through treatments? <laughs> and all what could come forth from a disease that would just overtake him. But he's still standing today. As he stood there on that platform, he says, but I'm still standing on this platform. And I will still continue to proclaim the gospel of Jesus. As long as there's strength in my body. I said, my God. My God. You see, the storms of life are going to blow up against you. <laughs> but how's your foundation? Is it solid? Is it in Christ? <clears throat> or have you built your faith on sand? A religion of works, of your flesh, of your desires, of your wants. Well, it feels good to me. Creating an idol, creating a Jesus, that's not Jesus at all. You know, I said last week, I believe, the world, this realm, and your flesh, it doesn't mind you having a Jesus. He can be a good man, he can be a good teacher, but he cannot be God. And once he becomes God, there's a problem. There's a problem. You see, the gospel offends. And if it hasn't offended you, <laughs> then you haven't heard the gospel. The gospel does offend. Because it draws the dividing line. You're an enemy towards a holy God. But the holy God sent forth his son to redeem you. But you first must recognize that you are a sinner. That you are an enemy of God. And in that recognition, understand the provision through Christ that God himself, because he's a God of love, that has made for all who are at war against him and his throne. His son Jesus came to set the captives free, to heal the brokenhearted, and as you receive Christ, you are then empowered by the Holy Spirit. And the Bible says that God has given us everything we need to, give a, to live a godly life. 
So we're without excuse. Oh, we can make up all the excuses in the world why we're not growing and maturing, why we're not applying truth, but you understand they're just excuses. And you'll have to give an account to a holy God for how you treated his son so common and you made his blood so common that you didn't mind splashing it up on others. And it meant nothing to you. You just held a form of religion. You just went to the services, did the rituals, and have been lulled asleep to remain an enemy of God. That's why I said to you, there's going to be multitudes of people in hell with Jesus on their lips, but he's never been in their hearts. He's never been in their hearts. You say, well, how is that fair? Well, don't judge God. <laughs> Ask yourself, <clears throat> why would they keep denying him when he's made himself known? But people will choose to go their own way. They like a little religion to make them feel good about themselves. But listen, it's not about us. The true Christian life is a life of total surrender. Total surrender to Jesus for his kingdom. We're to be the people of God, doing the will of God for the glory of God. You know, when I think about all that he has done, we don't deserve it. I don't deserve it. I mean, I don't know if you thought about your past. If you're, if you're in Christ, I don't know if you really understand and oh, how we should understand what he has saved us from. Now God's wrath is stored up, but there's a day it's going to be unleashed. We can only mock God for so long as individuals, as families, as a city, as a state, as a nation. As the earth, we can only mock God for so long. And then that day and that hour in which has been set aside, oh, it's coming. And nothing's going to stop it. But even when his wrath is being unleashed, his love is still being displayed. All the way up to the end. When he is a just God, when he is a holy God, and he unleashes his wrath, even in the midst of it, he's going to reveal yet again his great love towards his creation. Listen, there's no other God like him, you all. And oh, that you would know him. Let's go to a few scriptures to encourage you to apply scripture to your life. Go to James chapter 1. Again, scriptures you've heard before, but I'm going to keep rotating through them throughout this year in hopes to encourage you because ultimately you have to ask yourself. We're going to James chapter 1, verse 22 through 25. Again, you have to ask yourself, how are you doing? I mean, that's, that's the question. 
You don't have to again have to answer to anyone. You don't have to answer to anyone else. You just have to answer to God. But you have to be real with yourself. Like, how am I doing? How am I maturing? How am I growing? How am I different than when I was yesterday? Because I keep encouraging y'all, if your Christian life is your same Christian life as it was yesterday, as it was two weeks ago, as it was six months ago, as it was ten years ago, something's wrong. Something is seriously wrong. How did you get a place? How'd you get to a place where you think you've arrived? And you think somehow how you're doing, I know all that I need to know and I'm okay. No, it's a continual growth. You're constantly being challenged. You're constantly at war. You've got a realm here and a realm here and what's inside of you that would love nothing more than to devour you. And somehow you've grown complacent, idle, comfort. Say, I don't even know anymore. I'll just go to church when it's convenient. (laughs) I'll just do the works that I know to do and I'll be okay. But then you're living just like one who doesn't know Christ. This is a life now, if you're truly in Christ, that you are engaged with. (laughs) You're engaging with Him. Daily with the Holy Spirit. He is your guide. He's your teacher. He's your comforter. He's your counselor. You don't have to beat yourself up because you've done wrong. You just got to get up and learn. You just got to get up and ask, God, help me. Instead of turning from God and running from God and then going back to what is comfortable, those cycles he wants to break. Because the more free you become, do you understand the testimony that you have for his name? Because everyone expects you just to be who you are. But when they begin to see something different, when they begin to see that you're just not holding a form of religion, like, no, wait a minute. (laughs) It's no longer I who live, but it's Christ in me. I don't know. You should go this week and ask yourself that. Where in your life are you seeing that you're living? And you ought to surrender it. And you ought to be honest because God already knows. You ought to be honest and say, it's hard for me, God. Like, I really desire this. Like, God, I really need to maintain control in this area. I mean, you just got to be real. Humble yourself. But God, help me, Holy Spirit, give it to you. And listen, sometimes, just that prayer alone, people are afraid to pray because they don't want to be crushed. (laughs) You know, in order for the oil, the anointing oil, to come from the olive... The olive has to be pressed. You're going to have to go through to get to. So you, you, you just don't say, have your way, God, but then put up boundaries on how far he could go with you. No, God, just, just here. Whatever it's going to take. Like, God, help me. Help me. This is what it's about, you all. It's a life being lived now for what is true. 
for what is right, for what is noble, for what is pure. And as the days are grown more evil out there, you're going to be hated even more. Because Christ is hated. Because Christ is hated. The message of the cross is hated. Again, they don't mind him being a good teacher. They don't mind him being a good prophet. They don't mind the miracles and the blessings. They don't mind the supernatural that takes place. Listen, I'm all for the gifts being used. I believe that they're still in place today. And I believe that they'll be in place tomorrow. But I'm a, I'm a, I'm a firm believer. But I think there's too many people chasing after gifts. Signs and wonders. And if there's no signs and wonders, then there's no anointing. What kind of nonsense. The greatest sign I want to see is a life transformed. I don't care if you speak in tongues, prophesy, whatever. Because I've seen a lot of people speaking in tongues. A lot of people prophesying. A lot of people laying their hands on people and seeing people healed. A lot of people doing and doing and doing and doing and doing and doing and shouting. <laughs> and they're bound by sin. Speak it. Come on, right? Speak it wrong. I'm sick of it. It's absolutely insane. And, and then we say, but that's the standard of our services. Come on. And people go to church, but if I don't see there's no anointing, God's Spirit has left that place, and they move on to the next one, to the next one, to the next one. No, the Spirit of God hasn't left. You've just been rejecting the Spirit of God. Yes. Because you're just chasing after signs and wonders. And then even Jesus said, you wicked and perverse generation, always asking for a sign and wonder. They do come. They do follow those who believe. But we're not going to build a, a congregation. We're not going to build a ministry. We're not going to build a church of signs and wonders. We're building the church off of Jesus Christ and what he's done and what he can do. Are you living a transformed life? That's the greatest sign and wonder. Because Lord, if you don't know where I would be if I wasn't in Christ today. Come on. This is what we have to share with others. This is what it means to apply. This is what it means to engage. This is what it means to live, you all. And so listen to these scriptures here. James chapter 1, verse 22 through 25. But don't, but don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you are only fooling yourselves. For if you listen to the word and don't obey it, it's like glancing at your, at your face in a mirror. You see yourself, walk away, and forget what you look like. But if you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free... And if you do what it says, and you don't forget what you heard, then God will bless you for doing it. Amen. I would carry on to verse 26 and 27. You add that, carry. If you claim to be religious, but don't control your tongue, you're only fooling yourself, and your religion <laughs> is worthless. Pure and genuine religion in the sight of God the Father means caring for orphans and widows in their distress 
and just don't stop there and refusing what refusing say it again refusing <laughs> to let the world corrupt you come on this is the christian life this is what you're engaging in every single day. That's why there must be maturity. There, there must be growth. There must be a renewal. That's why we just can't just lollygag around with each other and just say, well, that's just how she is. That's just how he is. No, stop it. Tell the brother, tell the sister, listen, man, I love you. You know, I, I'm working through, you know, whatever. <laughs> And I'm willing to walk through it with you. But man, you're going to stop cutting me every time you walk up in here. And feeling like it's comfortable for you to act crazy. Like there's a way to hold each other accountable. To say, listen, we're part of this together. God has called us together. And we must humble ourselves before the living God. And we must put into practice what he's given us. The truth. Because it's the truth that will set us free. You know, I've been counseling all week. <laughs> rather it's here, rather it's at work. And I, and I keep looking at people, especially you know, as I'm counseling people at work and training new leaders and just counseling people who have friction with each other. I said, listen, y'all, it's okay to have difficult conversations. It's okay to go to each other. Because by not going to each other, that's actually a form of disrespect. It's actually unloving. It's unloving. You say, well, how can that be unloving? Because you ought to care enough about the person to approach them. Jesus gives biblical correction on how the church and individual Christians ought to go to one another. And if they can't resolve it, bring others in. And if someone's in error and they refuse to honor Christ, then they ought to be put out. Not shunned, not shamed, not beaten down. Just put out. Come back when you're ready. <laughs> but you ought to love each other enough as you love yourself to apply truth. Mm-hmm. To be able to go and say, no, I, I, I respect what God is doing in your life, and I love you enough to say, wait a minute, we need to get this resolved. Because our Lord prayed for unity the night before He went to the cross for us. I mean, come on. Do we know our God? Do we know our God? He's a God of wholeness. He's a God of peace. We can't, we can't, we gotta stop allowing the enemy in to wreak havoc. <laughs> and we gotta start slamming the door shut. Yes. We gotta start patching up the holes that are in the wall. We need watchmen and women that's standing up and saying, not on my watch any longer. Yes. Like, no, we want God to move in this generation. God, we see that it's getting darker. We need to be getting brighter. We don't need to be cowering down in fear and the sky's falling, the sky's falling. No, Jesus is coming. The sky's not falling. Stop acting like you have no hope. Jesus is returning. 
And it's not time to cower down. It's not time to cover up and, and, and hide from all the dread and chaos that's going on out there. For God's sakes, Christians are being shot in an elementary school. Six of them plowed down because of a, a young woman who has issues and she holds the church responsible for her issues. And it motivated her to go in and plow down all that got in her way. Do you understand what, what's going on? Do you understand as the days approach him, I keep trying to encourage us. You say, but it's not encouraging. But it ought to be encouraging. That as the days continue to approach his, to his return, Christians are going to be pushed out of society. It tells us, it tells us this is happening. And we begin to see it happen. And so it's not time to grow weak in your faith. It's not time to, oh, let me just sit down and be quiet. I don't want to ruffle any feathers. No. Yeah, and, but listen, you know, also, I don't want you to be to the other extreme where you're just out there running amok just to be loud. I do it for Jesus. There's a way in which you ought to be living. You just living your life, you're going to be hated. To some, you will be a stench of death. To others, you'll be a fragrance of life. Amen. <laughs> and so you just learn to live, you all. But understand the hour and the day in which you're living. That's why you can't be like this man that the word that we just read describes who looks intently in the mirror and then turns away and forgets what he looks like. You can't look intently into this mirror, into the Word of God, and then close it up or shut it off and then forget your identity. Oh no, church, it is time if you are in Christ to let your roots grow down deep. Go to 2 Timothy chapter 15. 2 Timothy chapter 15. Timothy chapter 15. Chapter 2. No, chapter 2, verse 15. Sorry about that. Gave you a test in your Bible knowledge. (laughs) Yvette, did you have that one? (laughs) All right. (laughs) 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15. It's hot. That's why I had to walk away to turn down the air. Man. Woo! All right, here we go. Work hard. Who? You. (laughs) Work hard so you can present yourself to God and receive his approval. Be a good worker. One who does not need to be ashamed. Come on. And who correctly explains the word of truth. Again, your salvation is not based on work. So let I always have to remind people because I know the mind is crazy and the flesh will grab hold of the word and begin to twist it. The enemy loves nothing more than to choke it out of you or to snatch it out of you. 
But listen, your salvation, if you're in Christ, your salvation is secured in Christ. Your works, no matter what you do, your salvation is not based on your works. But works come forth as fruit of your salvation. How do I know if I'm saved? Are there any works coming from your life? Genuine obedience. Have you put your hand to the plow and kept looking forward? Have you considered the cost? Are you running the race? Are you ready to present yourself to God? Because remember, at the end, you're going to hear one or two phrases. Well done, my good and faithful servant. Servant then makes us aware that we served, we worked. You see, as a Christian, when, when, you, when you receive Christ, you receive the Holy Spirit, you're commissioned now to go. Go into all the world. Preach the gospel. You're to be about His kingdom, to advance His kingdom. You're just not to sit on the sidelines now. No, you're engaging now. You have been entrusted to be a good manager of all that He's given you. Everything. Everything. You're to steward well. And it's about time that the church understands that we're to be stewarding, that we're to be managing well. Everything that he gives us. Everything. And if there's an area in your life that you are not managing well, he knows that, so go to him and ask him. I keep reminding you what the Bible says. You have not because you've asked not. You're still wanting to be in control or you want to play that weird game. Well, I'm just so bad in this area. I just can't do anything right. Well, you know, no one left me anything, so what am I to build with? We got all of our excuses. <laughs> but no, no, no. Go to him. God, I need help. I need help in this area. Whatever it is, God, help me. God, send me to the right people. God, that I can gain you know, accountability by and, 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 and be encouraged by, like iron sharpened iron. Like God, Holy Spirit, ultimately have me look to you. Like you can transform me. You can renew my mind. You can help me understand how you can take what is in lack and prosper it. But to be a good worker. Hear, well done, my good and faithful servant, instead of hearing, depart from me. You worker of iniquity, you who has allowed sin to master you, I don't know you. You have refused me. How can a loving God send people to hell? We got to stop all that weirdness. Because again, like I like to ask people, how can he not? You just asking that question reveals to me that you don't know him. If you want to sit down and you want to get to understand the character of God and who God is, I'd be more than happy to sit down with you. But a loving God loves you enough to turn you over to what you are demanding to master you. 
He's God, you all. He's God. Go to Colossians chapter 3, verse 16. Colossians 3, verse 16. Again, these three scriptures I'm laying out before us hopes to encourage you to apply God's Word. Application. Colossians 3, verse 16. Oh, this is so good. Let the message about Christ and Christ alone and all its richness, what should it do? Fill your lives. And as it is filling your lives, look at what you ought to be doing. This is application. Look at the steps now. Teach. Counsel each other with all wisdom he gives. There's more that you ought to be doing. Sing songs and hymns and spiritual songs to God with thankful hearts. And let's move on to verse 17. So I have that if you would carry. And whatever, and what? And whatever you do or say, <laughs> grasp that, whatever you do and whatever you say, whatever you do, Whatever you say. Oh, you better distinguish between good and evil. Whatever you do, whatever you say. Here's a standard that man hasn't set, but God has set, has set in place. Whatever you do or say, do it as one who lives for themselves. That's not what it says. It says do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks through him to God the Father. That's the standard. So would you be challenged this week as you're going through your week? How are you living? How are you living? Are you doing it as a representative? Everything. It didn't say when you feel Christiany. When you're around your Christian friends, you want to pretend. No, everything you say and do well, surely God knows I can't do that. That's right. That's why he's giving you the Holy Spirit. So stop blaspheming the Holy Spirit. Stop allowing the Holy Spirit to do the work that he has been called to do in your life. The Bible says do not grieve the Holy Spirit. God has emotions. Don't grieve him. Don't grieve him. Everything you say to you, really? Everything? I no, no, surely, no, you're taking it too literal. How else would you want to take it? This is God's Word. This is the Word of God inspired by the Holy Spirit for man to pen that has been put together by God for us so that we would live it. Transformed life. Everything. Not some things. Not, not when, well, you know, God understands how hard right now my boss is riding me. Well, God understands, you know, this situation going on. or God understands it. So he, he, he just assumes it's okay for me to act nasty. But you understand, others are watching you go through. 
Others are watching you go through. They know you go to church. They know you say you love Jesus. Well, would you let them see Jesus in you? Would you let them see like, why aren't you responding the way you used to respond? Why aren't you doing what you used to do? Because of what Jesus is doing in my life. I'm sorry, I don't have to react that way anymore. Like everything I do and say, God, I just want to represent you. Because that's what you called me to. I'm to represent the Lord Jesus, you all. That's the standard of each Christian, not just the pastor, not just the evangelist, just not the missionary. But for every Christian. Like this is the standard that needs to be raised. Like when, when the Bible says that when the enemy comes in like a flood, the Holy Spirit raises up a standard. It's a standard of righteousness. And so when you truly understand your identity in Christ, you won't keep groveling on the ground for crumbs. <laughs> oh no, you'll take your place at that table that he's prepared for you. And you will taste and see that your Lord is good. And you won't settle for anything less any longer. Let the enemy scream at you and remind you of how filthy you were in your past. Let others tell you the kind of person you were back then. Let your own flesh remind you of how horrible you should feel. <laughs> but defeat all of that by claiming the words of God over your life. Because yes. your walk upright among a wicked and perverse generation. Go to John chapter 12. Today is Palm Sunday. It's the Holy Week, the beginning of Holy Week. You know, I tell you all every year, but John chapter 12, verse 12 is where we're heading. Yes, it's nice to have a week set aside to kind of reflect upon all that Jesus did for us. How he made his way into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday, how Good Friday came. He was betrayed. He was crucified. And then ultimately on Sunday to celebrate the resurrection of our Lord. That is beautiful. There's nothing wrong with that. But listen, it can't be just a week every year. That's what you ought to be celebrating every day. Amen. That's what you ought to be reminding yourself every day. This is the good news that you have to share with others. He's no longer in that tomb. And you've heard me say over and over and over because the word of God says, if our message was just the cross, we're fools. No, it is because of the cross that the resurrection came. Our message is the resurrected Christ. Our message is not the Christ in the tomb. Our message, our message is just not him on the cross. Our message is not him in the manger. Our message is just not him when he was doing ministry. It's from beginning to end. And the end is the resurrection. And it's because we believe that he is the resurrected son of God, that he has defeated sin and death, the power that keeps enslaving mankind to live as an enemy towards the throne of God has been broken. There is freedom in Christ. 
And not everybody's going to want it. Not everybody's going to want it. But for those who respond and receive, oh, the life that now they can live in freedom, in freedom. This is the message. And so every day, that's why I encourage you, you should be preaching to yourself every day. You say, well, that's not a habit. It ought to be a habit. Where do I start? With the gospel. Remind yourself what God has done. Remind yourself, oh, I see your flesh. Oh, I know you well. But I'm going to remind you that God so loved me that he sent his one and only son that if I would believe in him, I would not perish, but I would have eternal life. And then as I have received him, that I have now been engrafted in to be a child of God, no longer bound by sin and death. So you have no rights any longer, old man, because you're a dead man. And listen, dead people have no rights. You don't see the dead clamoring for rights. They're dead. And that's how you ought to be living. You've considered yourself dead, but alive in Christ. So now how then shall I live? So then, after you preach yourself that, then you can go forth and preach to, uh, to others. For God so loved you that he gave his one and only son that whoever would believe in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. You no longer have to be shackled and chained to sin, living a life that is contrary to the truth of your creator. You don't have to remain engaged in warfare against his throne. If you would just submit yourself, if you would just repent and turn and receive this free gift that God came to give us. We make it really hard, you all. And we ought not to be a stumbling block for others, especially if you're calling yourself a Christian. No. We're to be pointing people to him. Jesus, he's the way, he's the truth, he's the life. There's no other way to God. But that's a bold statement to make. No, but I'm not making it. God himself made it. (laughs) He's made provision, not through Buddha, not through Muhammad, not through the trees, not through this, not through that, not through anything created. No, (laughs) he made it through himself to save you. And to bring you in. Because you weren't meant for this temporalness. This is what you're clinging to. Oh, let me call you to cling to Christ. As I've called myself every day. Clinging to Christ. That's why I keep telling y'all. It shouldn't just be a week. A day. No, this is every day, you all. This is what we celebrate. John 12, 12. And we're actually going to extend it through verse 50. Because I want us this year to get the full picture. (laughs) So this is Jesus' triumphal entry into Jerusalem. But I don't want you to miss out. You're going to hear a lot of words. And I may stop and, and, and pinpoint or hone in on a few. But listen, everything that's happening was foretold back here. There is nothing 
that is going to go on this week that wasn't already purpose. Because remember, the cross wasn't a second thought. That even before God spoke and the earth was formed, the cross was already purposed. Love was going to be displayed. When Adam and Eve sinned, it didn't take God by surprise. And that's why at that moment, God was able to look at the enemy, the serpent, and say, oh, there's going to come one that's going to crush your head, and it'll be one from her seed. Listen, you all, no other, no other God, no other religion can offer you this. Every other religion, and I've told you all, Every other form of religion out there has truth woven in it. It's just not the truth. Why? Because Jesus says, I am the way. I am the truth. Every other religion out there, there's a bit woven in, but the truth. Jesus is not in it. It is a deception. It is demonic. It is leading people to hell. Even if these other religions want to use his name. It doesn't take God by surprise. We're told there's many false messiahs. But those who have had the veil removed can clearly see. Those who have ears can not only listen, but they can respond. This is the God in whom we serve. So as we're reading this, I want us, I want us to really grasp the understanding that none of this has taken God by surprise. Everything has been foretold. Jesus is just fulfilling prophecy. The next day, the news that Jesus was on the way to Jerusalem swept through the city. A large crowd of Passover visitors took palm branches and went down the road to meet him. They shouted, praise God! Blessing on the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Hail to the king of Israel. Jesus found a young donkey and rode on it. Look at that. Fulfilling. Just that donkey in and of itself. That riding of a donkey fulfills prophecy, you all. Look what it says there. Fulfilling the prophecy that said, Don't be afraid, people of Jerusalem. Look, your king is coming. Riding on a donkey's colt. Listen. God is that man that he shall lie. Everything that God has established, everything that God has said, is coming to pass, you all. His disciples didn't understand at that time that this was a fulfillment of prophecy. But after Jesus entered into his glory, they remembered what had happened and realized that these things had been written about him. Many in the crowd had seen Jesus call Lazarus from the tomb, raising him from the dead, and they were telling others about it. That was the reason so many went out to meet him. Highlight that. Circle that. That was the reason. They weren't there publicly announcing truth. They were caught up in the moment. And their motives behind it wasn't really to announce him as the Messiah. But they were motivated by what he has done. So they're all shouting on Sunday. 
But the same crowd that is shouting on Sunday will be shouting on Friday, Crucify Him! Crucify Him! What happened, people? Do you understand how the enemy works? Do you understand how the flesh works? Do you understand how the world works to distract you? To have you caught up in a moment? Praise the Lord, praise the Lord. Oh, that was, oh, hallelujah, it was such a great... In the moment, everything was, oh, and then you step out. And you let life beat you down this week, and by Friday, you're stiff-arming God. <clears throat> Blaspheming. Living however you want. Running amok. So we can't judge these people. Especially if we're no different. This is the reality. That was the reason so many went out to meet him, because they had heard about this miraculous sign. Then the Pharisees, oh, God's men of the hour, leading the church to hell, (laughs) said to each other, there's nothing we can do. Look, everyone has gone after him. Their position is threatened. That's the problem they have with Jesus. They feel threatened. As it is with any religious person sitting in churches today, standing in a pulpit, leading a ministry. <laughs> if they're not truly surrendered to Christ, they are threatened by Christ. And they're building something out of their own hands that will ultimately be destroyed. And you say, well, why does God allow it? Listen, you all. God turns people over to what they want. In the end, everything will be vindicated. It's like that psalm, that famous psalm I hold up to us all the time, when God said, you think my silence was my approval? Think about that. You think my silence is approval? Oh, no. I'm coming. This is God. And I'm going to tear you apart with my own hands. I don't like to see God that way. Well, keep making him whatever you want him to make him, but you will stand before a holy God and you will give an account. These men, they were threatened. Some Greeks who had come to Jerusalem for the Passover celebration paid a visit to Philip, who was from Bethsaida in Galilee. They said, Sir, we want to meet Jesus. Philip told Andrew about it, and they went together to ask Jesus. Okay, these are Greeks. These are Gentiles. These are people who are not, quote-unquote, in with the in crowd of the day, God's people. Look at their hearts. They're there. And I love what it says here. They want to meet Jesus. And look at Jesus' reply. Jesus replied, Now the time has come for the Son of Man to enter into his glory. I tell you the truth. Unless a kernel of wheat is planted in the soil and dies... It remains alone. He's speaking of himself, you all. 
but its death will produce many, many new kernels. A plentiful harvest of what? New lives. Those who love their life in this world will lose it. Those who care nothing for their life in this world will keep it for eternity. Anyone, come on you all, that's Jew, that's Greek, anyone, black, white, Asian, anyone, who wants to be my disciple must, must follow me. Because my servants, oh God, highlight this, underline this, if there's anything you take away and you carry through this holy week, hear Jesus' words. Because my servants must be where I am. And the Father will honor anyone who serves me. Now my soul is deeply troubled. Should I pray, Father, save me from this hour? But this is the very reason I came. Father, bring glory to your name. Then, then, listen, the Greeks are standing around, the Jews are standing around, the disciples are standing around. Jesus is announcing what he just announced. And in that moment, then a voice from heaven saying, I have already brought glory to my name and I will do it again. When the crowd heard the voice, some thought it was thunder, while others declared an angel had spoken to him. Then Jesus told them, the voice was for your benefit. <laughs> Jesus, come on, not mine. The time for judging this world has come. Jesus, you all. When Satan, the ruler of this world, will be cast out. And when I am lifted up, do you understand that imagery? On the cross, lifted up. When I am lifted up from the earth, I will draw everyone to myself. He said this to indicate how he was going to die. The crowd responded. Oh, they got some knowledge now. We understand, we understood from Scripture that the Messiah will live forever. How can you say the Son of Man will die? Just who is the Son of Man anyway? <laughs> oh, yes, Lord. And Jesus replied, my light will shine for you just a little longer. Walk in the light while you can so the darkness will not overtake you. Those who walk in darkness cannot see where they are going. Look at this. Put your trust. There's application. What are you supposed to do? Put your trust in the light while there's still time. Then you will become children of light. After saying these things, Jesus went away and was hidden from them. But despite all the miraculous signs Jesus had done, most of the people still did not believe in him. This is exactly what Isaiah the prophet had predicted. Again, prophecy, perk up, listen up. From Isaiah, Lord, who has believed our message? To whom has the Lord revealed his powerful arm? But the people couldn't believe, for Isaiah also said, <coughs> The Lord has blinded their eyes and hardened their hearts, so that their eyes cannot see and their hearts cannot understand, and they cannot turn to me, look at this, and have me heal them. 
Isaiah was referring to Jesus when he said this, because he saw the future and spoke of the Messiah's glory. Many people did believe in him, however, including some of the Jewish leaders. But they wouldn't admit it for fear that the Pharisees would expel them from synagogue. For they loved human praise more than the praise of God. Jesus shouted to the crowds. (laughs) If you trust me, you are trusting not only me, but also God who sent me. For when you see me, you are seeing the one who sent me. I have come as the light to shine in this dark world, so that all who put their trust in me, O God, hear Jesus' words, will no longer remain in the dark. I will not judge those who hear me, but don't obey me, for I have come to save the world and not to judge it. But all who reject me and my message will be judged on the day of judgment, By the truth I have spoken. Oh, you better stop there. You you better highlight. You better look at that portion of scripture. We've talked about it before. You know, when in John 3, 16 through 19. God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. That whoever would believe in him shall not perish but have eternal life. He didn't send him into the world to judge the world. Because the world already stands condemned. No, Jesus came to save. It was His main purpose and coming. And that's why this weird religion that's being preached that somehow Jesus did away with the Father, did away with God. Well, because Jesus, now God's not, you know, a wrathful God. There's no hell now. What kind of craziness is being taught to people? Jesus himself, his own words is speaking here to us. He, again, affirms the fact that I did not come. It's not my hour to judge you. It is my hour to save you. And as it is today, as he leads his people throughout the earth, we're not judging the lost. They already stand condemned. We have the message that can save them. That's important to understand, you all. We have the message of salvation. But don't then take that in a church setting. And when a brother or sister comes alongside you to hold you accountable, you say, don't judge me. Look at your own life. No, no, no. We're to judge those in the church. Because we're claiming that we're Christians. If you're claiming you're a Christian, if you're sitting here not a Christian, that's you. I can't judge you. You already stand condemned. But if you're calling yourself a Christian, I love you enough and I respect you enough to come alongside you as I hope you would mean and hold you accountable to truth and to the one you say you belong to. Listen to what he says here. I will not judge those who hear me, but don't obey me. For I have come to save the world and not to judge it. But all, but all who reject me and my message will be judged on the day of judgment by the truth I have spoken. By the truth I have spoken. Listen, I I warned you all throughout the years. It's best that you have never heard than to hear. Do you understand every time you're sitting under the word of God? You are hearing. It is a privilege that God has given us. 
You didn't wake them up. I'll go to church and say, oh no, God has you here for a reason. It's all, your steps are ordered of God. <laughs> Yet again, he's giving you another opportunity to hear truth. And now you're responsible for what you've heard. And if you treat him so common after you get up and you walk out and you walk out that door, you may be on your best behavior while you're sitting here. <laughs> but what happens when you're out there? What's going on with your mind and your attitude and your heart? What's happening out there? Are you a person of integrity, of wholeness, of faith, of salvation in Christ? If not, don't beat yourself up, but by God, humble yourself before the living God. Because yet again, he's given us the opportunity to hear the living word, to draw us to himself, to set us free that we might live and not die. I don't speak on my authority. The Father who sent me has commanded me what to say and how to say it. And I know his commands lead to eternal life. I love that scripture. It's Jesus, you all. Like the words I'm speaking, he says, they're not my own. They're from the Father. <laughs> and I know his commands. Lead to eternal life. I say, so I say whatever the Father tells me to say. This is our King, you all. This is our God. We celebrate today, Palm Sunday, we celebrate Him triumphantly entering in Jerusalem, fulfilling prophecy. We want to reflect on that moment. See the chaos that went on that day. The crowd screaming, the even the palms being laid down. Everyone's caught up in the moment. And then there's some Greeks, these Gentiles who come to seek, and their desire is, I just, we just want to meet Jesus. And then Jesus gives us this beautiful understanding of his purpose. Because just days ahead of him, he's going to be in a garden in agony. Not my will, Father. Yours be done. Chad, you understand? He knew what was before him. But he did it. He took your punishment. He took my punishment. He endured the wrath of God so that we wouldn't have to. And how can we take that for granted? And just smash his blood up like it's nothing. Just run his name around and make it so common that there's no power in it. Oh, church, we gotta wake up. We gotta wake up. We gotta wake up. The hour is upon us to be the people of God doing the will of God for the glory of God. We're gonna take communion today. But as this song is being played over us and as the elements are being passed out, don't rush into this. Like, would you just take a moment? Would you just let God be God? If you're not in Christ, I really, I don't know, I don't know what it's going to take because God is doing everything to reveal himself to you. See, it's not about a form of religion. It's not about anything but Christ, you all. 
And he established this, taking communion, for us to do it in remembrance of him. We do this in remembrance of him. And so, if you're not in Christ, oh, would you receive him today? Would you repent? Would you believe? Would you confess that Jesus is the Son of God and he rose from the dead? God, I'm a sinner. I see that I'm your enemy, but God, you loved me enough to, to send your Son for me? My God, I messed up. I'm a wreck in my mind, in my life, and in my head, but God, yet you still love me. I'm not going to be perfect even after saying this and, and making this statement, but God, you know that already. God, you're going to work in and through me to mature me and to grow me. God, my life is yours. And by faith, like a child, you believe. You believe you are. You feel okay to pass them out? Yeah. All right. No more will pass these out, but let the words of the song be sung over us. And may they bring encouragement to your heart. And then we'll take the elements together.
people. And we are only put together by the sacrifice of your son. So we thank you, Jesus, that you willingly laid down your life so that we could be made heal and whole. Yes. And that we, God, could live for you all of our days. So we do this in remembrance of you. Amen. Take the bread. Yvette, would you pray over the cup? conclude our time today. We're not going to be able to get to our scriptures to walk through, but we are going to conclude our time today with the attributes of God. Again, we're learning the attributes of God, and my hopes is, is that we will know our God. Again, he's not man that he should lie. His character is clearly laid out. His attributes are clearly laid out throughout scripture. And here is just a few of the attributes that we've learned already. And again, I would encourage you, if you're not taking the time each week to sit down and understand the, the attributes, if you're not taking the notes and rereading the notes, like I would encourage you to begin, like ask yourself, knowing God this way, how can this encourage me in my walk with God? Or maybe you're not in Christ, maybe you're not a Christian, but hearing the truth of the character of God can allow you to start gaining an understanding of the one who is calling you to himself. And that there will come a day <laughs> that you will bow your knee and humble yourself before him and receive from him. And so these attributes are a clear description of who he is, how great he is, and how you need this truth in order to endure this life, while you are here living for Him. Don't lose sight of who He is, you all. So we've heard already, God is infinite. He is self-existing, without origin. God is immutable. He never changes. God is self-sufficient. He has no needs. God is omnipotent. He is all-powerful. God is omniscient. He is all-knowing. God is omnipresent. He is everywhere. He's always everywhere. God is wise, we heard last week. He is full of perfect, unchanging wisdom. And then today, oh, listen to this attribute for today. God is faithful. He is infinitely, unchangingly true. And here's our lesson on God is faithful. It says here, Know therefore that the Lord, your God, is God. He is the faithful God, keeping His covenant of love to a thousand generations of those who love Him and keep His covenant.
commandments. That's from Deuteronomy 7, verse 9. We are faithless, yet he remains faithful. He cannot deny himself. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 13. As with all of God's attributes, they are not separated, isolated traits, but they interconnect. These are interconnected parts of his perfect whole being. So his faithfulness cannot be understood apart from his immutability. The fact that he never changes. So when we read that God remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself, we see these, his attributes, working together. The fact that he is unchanging means he can never not be faithful. A.W. Pink writes this about God's faithfulness. God is true. His word of promise is sure. In all his relations with his people, God is faithful. He may be safely relied upon. No one ever yet really trusted him in vain. We find this precious truth expressed almost everywhere in the scriptures. For his people need to know that faithfulness is an essential part of a divine character. This is the basis of our confidence in him. The fact that God is infinitely, unchangingly faithful means he never, listen to this, that he never forgets anything, never fails to do anything that he has set out to do, never changes his mind or takes back a promise. He is faith in, in his faithfulness pours out from his love. So we can trust Paul's words that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him. Of course, we don't always understand or see how his plan is faithful. In our limited understanding and finite minds, God's faithfulness might look a lot like abandonment. For how could a faithful God allow his children to suffer, to hurt, to die? But Christians can take comfort in these moments by remembering these attributes of God. For when we go through hard times, we know that God is nevertheless unchangingly faithful, God, good, always with us and wise. Faithfully trusting in who God says he is is a great comfort. For now we will see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, and then I shall know fully, even as I have been fully known. From 1 Corinthians 13, verse 12. Listen, you all. God is faithful. I'm going to close today with the Heidelberg Catechism. Again, this tool that I want to encourage us in to to, to study through this so that you know how you can defend the faith. Again, people may not ask you these specific questions, but they could give you questions that are similar. And you should be able to know whom you believe in. And you should be able to defend the faith instead of looking at them like you're, what? I don't know. You ought to know your God. You ought to be able to live and and walk in the assurance of who God is. And you are to be growing and you're to be maturing in the knowledge. And you ought to be able to articulate it and share it with others. And so listen to today's question. We're still in the Lord's Prayer. Here's the question. What does the third petition mean? Well, here's the third petition of the Lord's Prayer. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven means help us and all people 
to reject our own wills and to obey your will without any backtalk. Your will alone is good. Help us, one and all, to carry out the work we are called to and willingly and faithfully as the angels in heaven. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven means help us all people to reject our own wills and to obey your will without any backtalk. I don't know when's the last time you pray through the, the Lord's Prayer. We ought to be sitting down with it, especially since we're in it. And we're taking it piece by piece by piece. <clears throat> and that answer that's given to you, there's scriptures that back up that answer. To kind of give you an understanding, you should be researching, looking up those scriptures, writing them out. I mean, do what you need to do to engage in applying the truth to your life. Because not only is it hope and comfort for others, but as I've been saying throughout the day, it first starts here. How can you offer hope and comfort to others that even in and of yourself, you doubt it? Or you doubt Him? Listen, y'all. He's God. He longs for us to be his people. Remember, God's plan, God's purposes. We see it from Genesis to Revelation. If you don't believe me, call me, let's sit down. I will walk you through scripture from Genesis to Revelation that reveals to us God's purposes. To have a people that he will call his own and in return, they will call him their God. This is his purpose, you all. Oh, that we would know him. Oh, that we would love him. Oh, that we would be the people of God doing the will of God for the glory of God. For our God is great and our God is good. Amen? Amen. I'm going to close this with the song of worship and then I'll close this in prayer.
God is love. 